Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about lawsuits and also collecting unpaid money that's owed you. I'm going to cover both sides when someone threatens to sue you and also how can you collect money that's owed to you at the same time. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. And these are two different aspects, of course, of the pool service business. One of them is if someone owes you money, how do you collect that? And the other side of it is what if someone threatens you with a lawsuit and what can you do about such threats? And I think these fall into the same category because technically both ends of this is very difficult to pull off. I'll start with if someone owes you money, what can you do to collect it? The first thing that you probably should have learned if you haven't learned this already is not to get, not to let the customer get too far behind where collecting the money becomes something that's necessary. For example, if you have weekly service and the customer is three months behind and they owe you like $500, it's best that you don't let them get to the three-month period because collecting that $500 becomes very difficult, if not impossible in most states and most cases. And you may want to settle for you know 250 or 300 just to call it a day if they're even willing to settle. But there's very little recourse When it comes to recovering money from a customer, now there's various things you can try to do. Of course, you can text them, email them. You can threaten them with reporting them to a collection agency. That's probably the worst thing you can do in this day and age because of the internet. They'll just go ahead and leave a bad review. They'll make something up or say something crazy about your business and ruin your reputation. So that doesn't usually work very well. And besides that, collecting the actual money is very difficult. You can report them, but to get the money or to get a lien on the property is pretty difficult in California and most states. Since California is my state, I'll use California as the example here. To get a lien on a property of somebody, you need to be a general contractor. And it's just not the fact that you could put the lien on the property. So to do this properly, of course, you're a general contractor. You put the lien on the property, and then you have to go to court to file this particular lien has to be recorded at the county level and then you therefore have a lien on the property. Now this isn't done very often because the fact is most of us aren't general contractors. You may have a subcontracting license like a D35. doesn't make you a contractor. You need to have a general contractor's license and you have to be bonded by the state and this is one of those things where if you're not a general contractor and even if you are one Putting a lien on the property doesn't really solve too much because you can't foreclose on the property. You can't force them to sell the property. So if it's three or four thousand dollars, you're gonna have to wait until they try to refinance that property or try to sell that property, which they may never do 
and that means that that lien will never get paid. So to me, it's pretty pointless unless it's a huge amount of money, you know, four, five, six thousand, ten thousand dollars. This usually happens when they don't pay the pool builder. The pool builder is usually a general contractor, and they can put a lien against the house and maybe get paid if any of these two things happen. They refinance or if they sell the property. But if they don't do either of those two things, the lien will remain unpaid. The only exception to this that I know of is an HOA association technically can foreclose on a property inside the HOA if someone owes, you know, six or seven thousand dollars in association dues. You can potentially foreclose on that property, then the HOA becomes the owner of the house. But it's very rare, it's an extreme case that doesn't happen very often. You're just a pool guy or gal trying to get your, you know, two, three hundred dollars, five hundred dollars from the customer. You're not going to foreclose on them, and that's not, that's like something that can't happen anyway. But I just brought that up so you can see that there is maybe an extreme to the spectrum where that's a possibility. But in your case, it's an impossibility because you're usually in a general contractor, and the liens usually just stay on the property until they sell or foreclose, not foreclose, they sell or refinance or foreclose, I suppose, because the bank has to pay you at that point. So really the number one rule here is not to have a large balance that's due you without some way of you collecting. For example, if you're at an account and you don't know the customer and you're putting a new pump in, it's not a bad idea to get half the payment on their credit card already up front. I use Square and I have a Square terminal. You can also get the card Google reader that you put on your cell phone, you can swipe a card. I recommend having some kind of credit card processing, you know, program, software, app, whatever you want to use. Square is easy because they'll give you the swiper, that's what it's called, for free for your cell phone. I think it's like $10 if you want an extra one. And then you simply swipe the customer's credit card there on the spot and the money goes through. So you can do a partial payment or the full payment, whatever the customer is comfortable with, and you're going to get the money through a secured credit card processing software. I would not recommend PayPal and other kind of like, I guess Venmo is safe, Zelle is fairly safe, but PayPal would be the worst because what they can do is put in a dispute, which happens, and this has happened before the the members of my group where they installed equipment. In fact, one person put $2,500 worth of equipment. The person was a realtor of some type. I'm not sure if they were licensed or actually a realtor, realtor. You have to be part of the association, but she disputed it and reversed the charge and got all the equipment for the house that she was renovating and flipping for free, and there's no recourse for him. So that's the danger of PayPal. I think it's safe to use a square terminal. Uh, Zelle is, of course, very safe and secure. Venmo is pretty secure because once you make that payment, it's really hard to get the money back. But try to get some money up front when you're doing a big project like that. Now, for weekly service, if they're behind two or three months on service, I don't let my customers get more than two months behind because if you go to like six or seven months, it gets to a point where they can't pay you because they have other bills and no one's going to have a 1000 or $1,200 to give you. And since I mentioned previously that collecting the money is very difficult and you may go to small claims court and file against them, and the judge may award you this, but then collecting it again is another problem entirely. So a lot of this has to do with the fact that it's just so hard to collect the amount of money that's owed you because you're pretty low on a totem pole. You don't have a lot of power. And if you were to exercise some of that power, like reporting them to collections or something like that, 
you're probably going to get a bad review in place of that collection, which may hurt your business more than getting that money from the customer. Now, on the flip side of that, you're going to hear a lot of customers over the years, if you do this long enough, say something like, hey, I didn't like that, how that looks over there. There's a stain in the pool and, and you caused it. So I'm going to sue you, man. I'm going to sue you and, and you're going to have to replaster the pool. Now, this is going to happen. I, I, I was threatened from a lawsuit because the customer said I left the water on and flooded their backyard and the neighbor's yard. But again, there's no proof of this. There's no evidence. I don't usually turn the water on at customers' homes. Very rarely will I do this. At this particular house, I did not. And it turns out that it was probably the mother-in-law because they were on vacation and they had her watching the house. So I assume that she turned the pool water on, didn't turn it off, and it flooded. But of course, they blame the pool guy, which is me, and it didn't happen. And I think they wanted like $800 for the damage or something like that. It wasn't extreme. But basically, I said, hey, I wasn't me. You know, it was probably whoever was sitting, house-sitting for you, which happened to be their mother-in-law. It never went anywhere. There was threats. There was all kinds of angry uh, messages. But nothing came of it. And I think maybe they realized that it just really wasn't worth trying to go after $800. That who knows if they could even prove that it was me. And besides that, I have SPPA insurance, spa insurance. You can go to the SPPA.com. And they're an insurance company for general liability. They'll protect you against, you know, anything like this. There's a deductible, of course. I think it's like $1,000, somewhere around there. But if something big happens, let's say they accuse you of leaving the water on and it really floods their yard and their neighbor's yard and there's like 30000 worth of damage. Well, it's kind of good that you have this insurance because, number one, they'll send an adjuster out, a claims adjuster, just to see all the facts of the case, you know, is there video proof or something or, you know, did you actually do this? And they'll fight because they're an insurance company. They're not going to just dole out money to everybody that says you did something. So they'll protect you from false claims and they're going to pay out those real claims because if you did turn it on or if your employee turned on the water and that did happen, then that's a, you know, a mistake and you have general liability insurance for that and you shouldn't have to worry about it. You just pay your deductible and then the insurance company will pay the balance. Now, this is one reason why I say not to turn on the water at customers' homes because you're going to wake up like around 1 in the morning and be like, hey, did I turn the water off? So never fill the pool for the customer. And if you do have to fill a pool, if the house is empty, if you're doing like a you know something for a realtor and, or a contractor that's remodeling it and doing a flip on the house and there's no one to fill it up, I suggest putting your truck keys on the fill line and that way you don't forget to turn off the water. But that's not 100% either. Maybe you'll have to go to your truck to get something. You take your keys and you forget to put them back on the hose. This happens to some people. So I would say it's not 100% foolproof. So don't rely on that entirely. I think it's one of those things where if you're going to do something that could cause liability, do whatever you can to make sure that you're not putting yourself in that position. And if you're accused of doing something, your insurance will protect you. And I think you need to remember that a threat of a lawsuit is just that. They have to file the lawsuit. Most of the lawsuits that they're trying to threaten you with fall into the small claims court category. That means they got to go take a day off work, go down there and file a claim. I think it's a $500 retainer or something like that in California. So they have to put some money out to do this. So it's one of those things where it's a big hassle for them to even try to sue you in small claims court. And if they do do that, you can go and present your case and you can in your defense, maybe not have to pay that. 
And the judge is a normal person like you, and he'll hear the case. And if it's something that, you know, he agrees that it's not something that you are liable for, he'll just throw it out. And this happens a lot with even the bigger lawsuits. There was one just recently, my neighbor works for the city, and someone was suing the city because they said that they encroached on their land with, with some kind of fencing that was on their property, and they wanted something like $2 million. And, and the, the lot of land was only worth maybe 300000 So suing for $3 million or 2 or $3 million for something worth 300000 where it's not even the whole property, basically the judge threw the whole case out and it just didn't go anywhere. And that's the same thing if someone accuses you of ruining their plaster. I mean, let's say that someone, you have you take over a pool and the plaster's eight years old and they say that you stained it, you ruined it. If they take you to court and show pictures of the plaster to the judge, more than likely he's going to be looking at it like, I don't really see anything wrong with this. Because a lot of times the customer that sees a problem is really looking at the microscopic details of something. And anyone normal wouldn't notice anything. And if it gets that far where you're actually in court and they want you to pay for the, you know, 30000 replastering, the judge will also account that this is eight or nine years old. If you just simply Google pool plaster lifespan, it'll say seven to 12 years. The judge is likely to say, well, it's already past its lifespan. So whatever stains are there are probably just the fact that it's old. And so this is something that you shouldn't worry about if someone says, hey, you know, you ruined my pool or you did this or that. And one thing I'd like to do to customers that, especially the ones that just had a pool built, and then maybe a year later, they're like, hey, I don't like how my plaster looks. I think the way you were maintaining the pool and your chemistry ruined my pool. It feels really rough here, and there's these stains here. What I like to do is take them to other accounts or offer them to see other accounts that I service where the pools were built roughly the same time. And they can, I can tell them, basically, I give them this script. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of pools that were built when yours was built. If you want to go see two or three of these pools, usually the customers are pretty happy to let other people see their properties. They're, they're proud of the way their pool looks. And it's not a problem. So pick them carefully. Of course, you don't want to intrude on anyone. But just say, hey, if you want to see two pools that I do that were built at the same time as yours, you can see that there's they don't have the same problem that you have. So if I was maintaining their pool and your pool and all of them look the same, then obviously it would be my fault. But if you look at these two pools, you're going to see that there's no problem with the plaster. There's no problem with this discoloration. So my guess is that it's something with the actual plaster job of the pool. And it's not something that I did. But don't take my word for it. Take a look at these two pools and see what you think. And that usually diffuses that person. And then they turn back towards the builder to try to figure out what happened with their pool. And this is very common in new pools with new plaster, especially white plaster, which by the way, most builders no longer warranty white plaster past the actual first day that they plaster the pool. So be aware that there's not much of a warranty on white plaster because they have discoloration and modeling and all kinds of problems and the builder doesn't want to be holding the bag. And there'll be specific verbiage in the contract that the customer signs off on saying that, you know, there's some natural discoloration natural aging or natural defects of plaster and they signed that off pebble tech is a little bit better you don't really have that kind of clause and usually it's about a 10-year warranty i believe on pebble tech but plaster you can't really warranty it so they have them sign that and then of course they'll turn towards you for any recourse because they can't turn towards the builder and getting again threatened by lawsuits and actually going to court facing a lawsuit are two very different things and it's one of those things where customers will just say that to scare you 
into maybe you helping them or giving them some money or coming somewhere in the in the middle. But just don't worry about it. It's going to happen to you eventually. It hasn't happened yet. It happened to me with the, someone that said I left the water on in their backyard, which I didn't do. And luckily, I have SPPA insurance. Again, the SPPA.com where you get it. It's like $80 or $70 a month for a million. And then if you want $2 million, it's like $90 or so. Or $2, million's worth, $2 million per occurrence, $4 million total. The other one is $1 million per occurrence and $3 million total. So it's one of those things where you need to have liability insurance because you never know when you're going to make a mistake. This could happen. It happens to a lot of people all the time. I had a guy in my group where he he's older and he's been doing this forever, but he was doing a filter repair, took the filter grids out, forgot to turn off the pool. The pool came on and everything in the backyard got flooded. I mean, we're only human and that's why you have auto insurance in case you make an error while driving. The same thing while you're working. You get tired. It's really hot out. You may forget to do something and something could happen. And so that's why you need to have the insurance. And then on the flip side of that, someone can accuse you of something that you didn't do. And again, that's why you have the liability insurance. Bottom line is, I wouldn't be too scared if someone were to threaten you. Now, if the papers are actually served, still, that's another layer. But in the end, if you do have to go all the way to court, just be aware that the judge is a normal person like you and me, and he'll make a judgment based on what he sees as evidence. And so if it goes that far, which hopefully it will never get that far, and if you just don't even want to worry about stuff like that or deal with it, just get liability insurance. Of course, be very careful out there with everything you're doing, but liability insurance will protect you and they'll defend you in any kind of lawsuit and any kind of dispute. They'll be there to defend you. So definitely, I would, if you don't have it, I would get it today and go to the SPPA.com. And they're not paying me to advertise them. I just think they're the best liability insurance company out there. And they have the best rates. And they service 49 of the 50 states. The only state you can't get insurance in is New York. New York has a weird has weird insurance rules. I don't believe you can get liability insurance from any company in New York. And I would say if you're not in New York, you're fine. If you're in New York, you have to figure out what you're going to do. But every other state, they'll insure you. And again, up to a million dollars per occurrence. That's quite a lot of money, so you can rest easily at night with that liability insurance in place. Looking for other podcasts I recorded, you can find them on my website, swimmingprolearning.com. On the banner, click on the podcast icon. That'll take you to a drop-down menu of over 1,300 podcasts that I have there. If you're interested in the coaching program, you can learn more at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. Real quick. If you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.